After a week's hiatus, we are back. And on this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional, we are going to be talking about wine clubs and traveling to a new international destination, one that you really don't know anything about. And just for fun, once that's done, we're going to be talking about dining etiquette when you're traveling internationally. Stay tuned. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Orange Juice Optional. I'm Michelle, and I'm here with Suzanne. Hey, Suzanne. Hey, Michelle. How are you? I'm really good. I'm getting a little stressed out because the month, of course, is October, which is my favorite month. But I've kind of put myself in a predicament in the fact that I joined a lot of wine clubs, and all the wine is being delivered this month. Oh, right. And... What a chaotic mess, because it means I have to be home in the afternoons. I have to anticipate when these wines are coming in and then find space for them all. That's the hardest part is finding space for all the wine. Right. And I truly don't buy wine very often at the grocery store because our wine clubs do that for us. Uh But, you know, we're in Arizona and you have to find a cool enough environment to store your wine so it doesn't get destroyed and you have to do it rather quickly, even in October. So that's a little bit stressful. It is. It is. And how do you deal with, oh, your your (laughs) wines go to your your box or your your person. My person. Yeah. I have a UPS store that I have deliveries go to. And so they're always there. They always sign for it. Then they send me an email that says, come pick it up. And, and they keep it in a, temperature controlled space. So I always know it's good. And then if I'm out of town, they'll keep, you know, they keep it for me until I come pick it up. So uh, it's great. That's that's the way to do it. It is. The hardest part is moving it myself because then I have to go there, pick it up, put it in my car, bring it home, you know, and if it's a case of wine, I mean, I shouldn't complain. It's like, it's really not that big of a deal, but. But it's heavy. The boxes are awkward depending on what Mm -hmm. type of box they put it in. I was thinking, because we go to all this hassle with these wines, would I even be able to tell the difference between a nice bottle of wine that I get from my wine club and box wine? I'm really serious. Would I even be able to tell the difference? I absolutely can tell the difference. Well, (laughs) I've become a wine snob. I don't even like to drink, for lack of a better word, cheap wine anymore. I don't even enjoy it. But what if you didn't see the price? What if it was a blind tasting? Do you think you'd be able to tell the difference? Absolutely. That's a really good challenge that you present. But I absolutely think I can tell. And it doesn't, it's not about the price. It's about how it tastes going down. How it, Chardonnay especially, I think, because I'm a Chardonnay drinker, cheap wine can taste tinny. And I can usually tell that tinny taste. And even if it's an expensive wine and it tastes tinny, I don't like it. Why would I drink it? And that's the perfect word to describe it because I was thinking of the red wines I drink. And, you know, when you go to a Mexican restaurant and I love a cheap Mm -hmm. glass of wine at a Mexican. I don't know why. I just (laughs) like how it pairs with the food. And that's the word I would use to describe it. So I probably would know, but... You know, I spend so much time invested in my wine clubs and deciding which Mm -hmm. ones I want to come that, you know, Mm -hmm. it would be just easier if I couldn't tell the difference and I just picked up a box of Franzia or something. Right. Well, and and that being said, like 
one of my favorite everyday wines is a bottle that costs, I think it costs $18.99 a bottle. And, and it's, <laughs> I don't even know if it has a real winery. I mean, it's a cheap wine, relatively speaking, and I enjoy it. And so I drink it. And you got to drink what you like. Yeah. Know what you like. So yeah. talking about wine and finding storage, didn't you say that during your remodel project, you're going to have a wine closet now? I am. Although my wine closet <laughs> has evolved into a broom closet with wine. And That's very interesting. Do tell and explain what you mean. And, well, and how do as, they merge? Well, I am going to tell you that. Because originally with my new butler's pantry, I have this small walk-in pantry closet. It's, it's like five feet by six feet. That's, how, that's the square footage of it. So with shelves, it's a small space. But it's always been pretty inefficient for me. So I've been looking at this space and it's always going to be, it has always, my plan was to make it a wine closet off my, because it's in my kitchen. I woke up in the middle of the night the other night with all of my anxiety about my job, my remodel not getting done and loving my butler's pantry. And because nothing is done, everything's sitting in my kitchen and in my family room. You know, I have buckets of things, dishes. and But the one thing I didn't account for in my butler's pantry was my vacuum, my broom, my Swiffer, wet jet, the tall, my stepladder. And it's like, where the hell am I going to put all of this stuff now that I have this fantastic butler's pantry? Because I used to just throw it in my laundry room and it would just sit there and I'd close the door and I didn't care. But so I went to my California closets woman who was designing the beautiful wine closet. And I went to see her to pick out finishes and I threw her for a huge loop. And I said, okay, so what I need is a broom closet that holds wine. <laughs> and we spent three hours yesterday designing my broom closet that holds wine. And I just want to say, I said to her, I said, I am going to have the most beautiful broom closet in the history of broom closets because California closets, it's going to do it and it's going to hold wine beautifully and I'm going to have a place to hide my mop and my Dyson vacuum cleaner and my Swiffer wet jet and my stepladder. And I'm just so happy about it. Talk about bringing someone joy. Yes, spark <laughs> that joy, Suzanne. Yeah. So I'm going to still have my wine closet. I just altered it to be a wine closet slash broom closet. And in my mind, I think I'm about the most brilliant designer, space planner on earth, because I came up with this idea in the middle of the night. So we'll see how it translates into the end result. But and I love how all the best ideas come to us in the middle of the night after we've had a little rest yes. and you get that aha moment. Yeah. Well, let me yeah. ask you this question. So I'm sure the pantry has a door to it. So when people are like, What's in that door? Are you going to say that's my wine closet or that's my broom closet? Because wine closet sounds a little bit more bougie. And I like that. I do too. And that was kind of why it was always going to be my wine closet because I thought so bougie. And I thought, oh, it's just what this house needs is a wine closet. No, now I'm going to introduce it as my broom closet that holds wine because I'm very proud of that. And 
I, <laughs> by the end of my appointment yesterday, California closets, I'm pretty sure the girl who was helping me with the design thought I was crazy, thought, okay, this woman ha is loony because I was picking out very expensive hardware because I loved it. And I said, if you need to put a door handle on something, you might as well make it one you love. And so I picked out very beautiful door handles for my bougie broom closet <laughs> and, and the countertop for the space where the wine is going to be is so beautiful, so unique so expensive, but it's so, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. It brings me joy. And it's like everything in your house, no matter what it is, including a broom closet should bring you joy. It should make you happy. When you look at it, it should be beautiful. Where you walk in and you like, I love this room. I love this relationship you have with your house <laughs> and just loving every space of it. That is the way to live your life. Now, you said that she, the lady at California Closets looked at you like you were crazy. Did yeah, she that, laughed at me. Did that evolve? And by the end, maybe she was thinking it was brilliant or you inspired yeah. something in her? Oh, absolutely. I said, bear with me. And But let's remember when I went in to see her, she thought I was coming in because we had already done the design for the wine closet. And so she thought all we were going to do is pick finishes, you know, hardware, all of the fun. And I said, I'm going to throw you for a loop here. I hope you have time. And she said, I have all day. And little did she know it would be three hours later. So when I first introduced my idea to her, she was like, I don't think we can make that work. I'm going to say she didn't say it like that. I have to take that back because she's very good about saying, okay, well, this will be a challenge, but I think we can make it work. I think that's how she phrased it. Okay. But by the end, she loved it as much as I loved it. And she was smiling as much as I was smiling. And she actually said, I'm inspired by this. This is so beautiful. And, and that made me feel good. Maybe you have created a new trend in home design. Well, maybe, <laughs> but all I know, which is a rule I follow with everyone that I help in design is, boy, it doesn't matter what you're doing in your home. You better love it when it's done. And so you don't cut corners. You don't say, I don't care. You think about it and you think, how is this going to bring me joy? And I feel that way down to the last detail, down to the broom I have. I went to, was it, it must've been the container store. And they had just restocked all of their, their essential items like brooms, mops, uh, sponges, but it all matched. And so I bought it all. Yeah. I like I match wanted, and I like coordination. Yeah. yeah. And so I threw out my old broom that, that, you know, you look at, you buy a broom at Target and it's fine and you use it. And then one day you look at it and you say, this is an ugly broom. I need a new broom. And that could be five months. It could be five years. But at some point, you need a new broom. So you might as well find the prettiest broom you can find. Just buy one you like. Beautiful. Don't settle for Target broom unless it's unless you love it. Get a cool broom and then I have everything match it. Yeah, again, I love your attention to detail. I'll tell you, I'll get down to the 
the last couple items and I will be in that. I don't care anymore. Just fill it with something. And because I don't have that mind that can picture something done, like the smaller details, I'm like, well, I love it. And I'm just trusting you that when it all comes together, it'll look wonderful. Well, when as you build your house, you have an amazing crew helping you work through your designs. And, and so I think you have a group that you can really trust to pull everything together. They've done a beautiful job with boards that you can see all of the finishes laid out. And, uh, and then you just trust your instinct. And, yeah. But I want you to remember that. It's like, if I don't love it, if it's not beautiful to me, I don't want it. I don't want it. If it's not beautiful to me, I don't want it. And I don't care if it's a broom or a closet or a cabinet or a sofa. If you don't love it, don't buy it or replace it. Adios. Yep. Because you want to find joy in everything you have in your house. And that's the best way to live life. I Mm -hmm. agree with that. So, well, thank you for telling us about your new um, idea in home Mm-hmm. remodeling. I don't even know how to say, but that's pretty yeah. exciting. I can't wait to right. come visit. And You're going to be showing me a right. lot in your house when I get there. And for the record, I should be able to house about 160 bottles of wine. If Not I too shabby. Choose. Not too shabby in a broom closet. In a broom closet. Okay. Well, let's move on to our next subject then. Okay. Suzanne, I don't know if our listeners know, but you're getting ready to go on a trip to someplace you have never been before. You're right. Not only have I never been there, I've never even considered going there. I know we've had those conversations a lot of times about, well, should we go to this area? Should we not go? And it's always been no, but you just had to have the right inspiration, which is your family. You're taking a family trip to where? Mm -hmm. Singapore. Singapore. And are you so excited? Um, I am excited. I am very excited. And I'm surprised that I'm excited because it's hard to get past the 17 and a half hour flight that has to, I have to get on to get me there. <laughs> but I am excited. And we are going because congratulations to my daughter-in-law. She just became a partner at her firm. Every year for the new partners, they hold an event in different parts of the world. This year, it happens to be Singapore. And so she has to go on business. It's a long way to go without your two small children. And so my son threw it out there. He said, how do you feel about going to Singapore with us and helping us out with the grandkids? And I'm like, I'm on it. I'm I'm going. Yeah, what so. a fabulous adventure and yes. way to push your comfort zone, Suzanne. Oh, way push. It's my son because then he said, by the way, we thought we should break up the trip on the way home and maybe stop in Tokyo on the way home. And I said, okay, we can do that because Tokyo is even more intimidating than Singapore to me. I don't know why. You know, it would be so cool if when you stop in Tokyo, you go to Tokyo Disneyland. Well, we have had that conversation. Yes. I want to see you in a Winnie the Pooh sweatshirt. I really do. (laughs) It's not going to happen, I don't think. Well, maybe if it said grandma, (laughs) it would. And your grandson said, would you wear this for me, please? Can't I get that at 
my American Disneyland or Disney. Yeah, but I don't know if you'll ever go to the one in America. So maybe while you're traveling, it'd be just really cool. I know my son Cameron, he loves Japan. He's gone there several times. I think that's his destination of preference. I'll be really curious to hear what you say about it. I know. I, I am very excited. But my son did spring it on me that we're going to stay in Japan for four days, which when he said we're going to stop in Japan, in my mind, it was like overnight and then fly out the next day. But no, we're going to spend four days in Japan. So it should be a very interesting trip. I I think so. And I've been thinking a lot about traveling somewhere new because This upcoming January, we're going to be taking a trip to South America. It's a place I've never been. Different smells, different landscape, Mm -hmm. different way of dressing, different cultures, all of that. And so as you step into this trip to Singapore and then to Tokyo, I've been thinking about about that a lot for you. And I know your son, Greg, is fabulous. He's done all the legwork. He probably has all these answers, but maybe we should go over some of the things you should consider when traveling to a new area. Okay. And many of these I thought of on my own, but I did go to get a little help. And Mm -hmm. I went to TerrenceTalksTravel.com. And the article that I'm going to be sharing, and it'll be linked in our notes, is 10 things you should know before traveling to a place you've never been before. Okay. Now, a couple of them are pretty basic, like, you know, you need to have a passport and the correct visas. You need Mm -hmm. to make sure you have all the shots that are required. Those are things that, you know, you need to look in before you travel, but you also need to consider what the weather's going to be. So have you stepped into that yet, Suzanne, looking at like the different weather conditions and how you should pack? I have somewhat. I've added it to my weather app on my phone and I actually will look Singapore up for you right now. And And see, that's something I do all the time, too. If I know I'm going to be traveling Mm -hmm. somewhere, I always add the weather to my phone. Right. So we should know is um, we are currently recording at 10 a.m. And it is, let's see, midnight in Singapore. Okay. And that's something important to know, too, what the time difference is. So you can communicate with those people back home. So for the next 10 days, the temperatures are 90 degrees, almost across the board. Every single day, we have one day where it's 88 and one day where it's 86. But for the next 10 days, it's 90. Okay, that's doable. Yep, and the low is 79, and that does not change. So this tells me it might be, I have no idea where Singapore even is. I mean, I have a general idea, but like in relation to, say, the equator, do I know where it is? But it seems to me that if the temperatures are that consistent, that maybe it's near the equator. Do you know? I don't know. I've I've never <laughs> done a lot of research and I'm like years removed from my geography classes. <laughs> but uh-huh. that would make sense with mm-hmm. the, and them being so little, stable. Yeah, here's a little trick question, which you maybe already know the answer to. What country is Singapore in? You're making me look like a fool right now. Singapore is no. in Singapore. <laughs> I don't yes, know. it is. Oh, That's is it? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's Singapore, Singapore. <laughs> wow, I love that. Yeah. Hey, I'm smarter than I thought. (laughs) I know, right? So Yeah, so knowing the weather is important because obviously it's going to dictate 
how you pack, how you dress for it. Another mm -hmm. thing that you should consider as you start to pack and get ready is what is the local culture? Because maybe they have requirements there that you haven't thought about. The only example I can get is walking into a Catholic church and having your or a mass having your shoulders covered. But mm -hmm. I, maybe the culture requires something from you as far as mm -hmm. what you wear. I don't know. I haven't looked into that yet. But what I do know is that you cannot chew gum in Singapore. Chewing gum is not allowed. I would not have known that. I know. That's something that my son told us right off the bat because my husband, I don't chew gum. I never have. My husband loves to chew gum. And he's like, let's be clear, it's illegal in Singapore to chew gum. You cannot enter the country with gum. Too bad it's not chewing ice. You'd probably like that outlawed. I know, right? Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But so as far as the culture goes, that's all I know about Singapore. Okay. Well, maybe do a little research so you're prepared when you go there. This article also says find out what's there. Maybe on your first day in a new location, do a tour, see the lay of the land, talk to people, find out what's worth the time, what's not worth the time. But again, you have a Greg, so he's probably already got all that information. I'm hoping that he does. Yeah. And my biggest my biggest obstacle, my biggest barrier, my biggest fear is the language. It's like, will I be able to communicate? Yeah, that that would freak me out. It makes me feel kind of isolated and wanting to stay really close to the people I traveled with. The other mm -hmm. thing that can make me feel really isolated, and it's the first thing that I that came to my mind when I heard you were traveling there, is find out about what the food is. Like, what are you going to be eating? I am a horribly picky eater. So fortunately, where we are staying in Singapore, it is very Americanized. So there are American restaurant that I'm sure I will be eating at because I am not, as we all know, not very adventurous when it comes to what I put in my mouth. Yeah. And there is nothing wrong with that. So yeah, that Tokyo, was another. Yeah. Tokyo, not so sure about, but You'll figure it out because your son will take that into consideration when booking restaurants. He won't leave yes. you out to dry. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some other things they, they talked about, again, pre-booking tours or pre-booking mm -hmm. shows. Your son's probably already done that. Know the currency. What type of money do they use? What kind of money do you need to have with you? Have you contacted your credit card companies, which we've talked about that before, no matter where you travel? Right. And yeah. My credit card company tells me I don't have to tell them when I'm traveling, but yet my card will be flagged for fraud when I make my first purchase in Singapore and or Tokyo. And I will have to call my bank because my credit card company is so stupid because even if I report that I'm traveling, they will flag it. Yeah. And that's been on every almost time. every trip we've been on with you. Yeah. So that is really frustrating. The other two things, just real quick in this article, know the electrical voltage, what type of adapter you need, uh -huh. and be aware of public holidays because sometimes oh, they're thrown in there and yeah. it could totally change the way you are going to spend a day. So yeah, those point. are the things that this article talked about. And I loved it. Loved everything that they had to say. It's a good reminder as we get ready to go to South America. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I have one quick quiz I want to give you, and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. It's all okay. related. 
I'm just going to say that. So we're going to move on. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So Suzanne, the quiz I want to share with you today comes from AmexEssentials.com. And because we talked about table manners and dinner etiquette a couple episodes Mm -hmm. ago, I thought it would be fun to ask you a couple questions about foreign table manners and etiquette. Are you up for it? I'm up for it, but I know nothing. Oh, and I know nothing either. I got like, there's 15 questions. I got two, right? (laughs) Maybe three. So I don't know much about it either, but we can go ahead and go through this. If we're running out of time, I can speed it up. Please don't argue with the quiz because the answer is what it is. Okay. Okay. So here's question one. When sommelier lets you taste a wine before serving it to the rest of your dining companions, it's meant for you to determine, A, if you actually like the wine, B, if the wine has flaws, or C, if you think the wine will go with the food you ordered. Well, I would say B. And that is correct. That's like one of the ones I got right. (laughs) (laughs) Two of these we probably know just from knowing and our past conversations. Okay, number two, to indicate that you're done eating, you should place your silverware, A, separated at four and eight o'clock on the plate, B, back on the table at either side of the plate, or C, together in the 420 position, bottom right of plate. I think it's A. That's what I thought it was too, but it's actually C, together in the 420 position, bottom right of plate, which I can't even visualize, so not going to happen. Okay, we'll move on. Here's one you should know. Slurping your soup loudly is considered rude, right? But not in this country. Is it not considered rude in Japan, France, or the United States? I am going to say France. That's what I said also, but the correct answer is Japan. You're going there, so know that you can slurp your soup. I was was going between, well, I won't slurp my soup. I was going between Japan and France, and it was a shot in the dark because I was thinking it's probably Japan, but okay. Well, now you know. Yep. Okay, question number four. When eating with chopsticks in most Asian countries, you should never, A, use them to point at a person, B, spear pieces of food onto them. C, place them anywhere other than together on the chopstick rest. Or D, all of the above. Well, I would have to say all of the above. That's one I got right too. So we're kind of on the same page for what our answers, like they're exactly Mm -hmm. the same so far. (laughs) Yeah, but note to self, bring my own fork. (laughs) Bring your own fork, yeah, because man, people don't want to see me try to use chopsticks. It is not pretty, no matter how many times I've tried to learn. Yeah, so me too. Okay, number five, it's tea time. If you intend to take tea like the queen herself, what should you make sure to do with your teaspoon? Should you allow it to lightly clink the sides of the teacup while stirring? Should you leave it in the teacup when finished stirring? Should you place it on the top of the teacup to ask for more tea or should you do none of the above? Again, I'm going to go with my first instinct and say A. And it's actually none of the above. I knew it again. It's like, it's probably none of the above. Yeah, we talk ourselves out of correct answers all the time. Okay, this one, just go with your gut, okay? 
Okay. So here's the question. In this country, tipping your server may actually be taken as an insult. Is that the case in Brazil, Japan, or India? Well, let's say Japan. Let's say you're right. Don't leave a tip. It's an insult. Good to know. Number seven, though common in the U.S., it's considered bad form in Europe to A, keep both hands above the table, B, to keep one or two hands under the table, or C, to keep your fork in your left hand. Well, I'm going to say B. Keep one or two hands under the table. That is correct. Good job, Suzanne. Now you've gone ahead of me because I got that one wrong. (laughs) Okay. If you want to do as the locals do in India, you'll often find yourself eating with what utensil? Wooden spoons, very sharp knives, or your hand? Okay. Let's say your hand. You're correct. I got that one right too. So yay, both of us. Okay. Nine. Also in India, finishing your plate is a sign of appreciation and respect. But in what country should you never leave a clean plate as it signals that your host did not provide you with enough food? Would that be in China, Argentina, or Greece? Greece. It's actually China. Oh, interesting. I was going to say Argentina second, so I would have never gotten that one. No, I, I didn't get that one right either. I said Argentina because I figured I might need to know that since we're going in that direction soon. Right. Okay. When dining in Thailand, what should you do with your fork? A, eat, obviously. B, shovel food onto your spoon. Or C, this is a trick question because Thais don't use forks. Okay, well, let's go with that one. C. It's actually B. You use it to put food onto your spoon. Okay. Okay. Number 11. And there's a couple more, but maybe we'll just start stop because we're running out of time. Unless you want to continue. Nope, just give me one more. One more, and this is a good one. When in Rome or anywhere else in Italy, which of the following should be avoided? A, cutting your spaghetti noodles. B, putting extra Parmesan on your pizza. C, ordering a cappuccino after a meal. Or D, all of the above. Okay, well, I would say D, all of the above, but doesn't everyone order cappuccino after their dinner in Rome? I don't know. I don't drink coffee, so I wouldn't have the answer to that. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to say D because A and B sound correct. Okay, and I thought you would fight this question because you'd be like, who wouldn't put Parmesan on a pizza because that's your favorite food? But you are correct, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah, so don't do any of those things after or during a meal in Rome. Okay. Or Italy. Yeah. So if... Everyone listening wants to hear the rest of the quiz. There's like five more questions or four more questions. I will have it in the show notes and you can go test your manner knowledge in other countries. I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah, I like it. Okay, well, let's go close this episode out. Well, we've come to the end of another episode. I am going in a moment to talk about October's book of the month, but I'm going to let Suzanne know it's your something to sip on if you need to find it while I'm talking. Okay. I think I have it, but go ahead. Okay, good. The book that we are reading in the month of October is Tom Lake by Anne Patchett. It is a book about family dynamics and relationships and the life you lead before you have your kids. And I can't wait to talk about it. And that'll be in our next episode. It's already Halloween and the last 
Tuesday in October, the last day in October. I can't believe it. You are correct. Let's see. I'm okay. I'm looking for my quote, but I found it. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and share it then? Something to sip on. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Does it have someone that's by? Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. A.A. <laughs> yeah. Milne. Milne, yes, right. however you want to say it. Yay, yeah. I love that. That's a great quote to end this episode on. And until next week, everyone, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.